The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of a sermon preached by Elder Buddy Abernathy from the third chapter of the book of Revelation. Brother Buddy is preaching to us about the church at Sardis. In the letter to the church at Sardis, Jesus tells the church that they may have a reputation of being alive, but in reality they're dead. Brother Buddy explains to us what it means to be dead as a church and how we can recover the life that we have in Christ through remembrance and repentance. This life that we're talking about is not eternal life, of course, but it is the vitality of the church. And oh, how we need that vitality today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Jesus said in John chapter 14, and we don't want to go too far on this particular subject, but notice in John 14, even Jesus did not talk about all these uh, supposed future dispensations between what we have now and the time we'll ultimately go be with the Lord in heaven. Notice in John 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Is that hard to understand? Jesus says, don't be troubled. You know, these are the ones that he spent actual time with here on earth. And he said, don't be afraid. He says, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to prepare a place for you. But if I do that, I'm going to come again and receive you that where I am, there you may be also. Now think about it this way. The Lord set up the church, and our main focus is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the implications of it. And the church has two ordinances. One is baptism. That's the one you need to submit to before you participate in the other. Baptism is by immersion. That's not just a tradition some churches have. That's the Bible. The word baptize actually implies to dip or to plunge under. And when when a person's baptized, the people in the pews as well as the person in the water observes and experiences death, burial, and resurrection. What a perfect example of it. And then when we commune, Jesus said, by doing this, we're doing it in remembrance of him. And you remember what he said? In doing this, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. See how simple it is. Do we need to be distracted with, you know, what's going on in Ukraine and where can I find that? We don't need to be concerned with all that. Certainly we need to be concerned as far as, it, as far as it being a war and our national security. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't be concerned in that way. But I'm saying we should not be concerned in terms of thinking, well, what, what's being fulfilled in the Bible and where do I need to go and what do I need to do? You see, this is it. Amen. The church is it. And we need to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth until He comes. What way to give greater honor to the Lord than to be part of a body that focuses on what Jesus did till he come? Now let's get back to this in Thessalonians. He said, from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And he said those to whom the message sounded out too, they were so affected by what I preached that affected you 
that they showed what manner of entering in we had unto you. That would be like if one of us preachers preached to a group of people and then the people to whom they spread the word to, it was as if we preached to them. That's what Paul's saying. And to wait for his son, Jesus, which delivered us, past tense, delivered us from the wrath to come. So now go back to Revelation. Maybe now we can assess this a little better. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. There was a time, he says, when what people heard about you was true. And it hasn't affected the community yet, but it's already affecting you. You're not, you've lost that vitality. Now, there are reasons for that that we're really not going to take time to look at tonight, but he said, you've lost it. But notice this, he says, be watchful, that means wake up, <laughs> and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember thou for how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. In other words, he's saying, I want you to get back to where you were. Amen. You know, we see that, we often quote that Old Testament passage in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 that says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my faith, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now notice all that. If, then. You learn about that in school, don't you? You learn about that in grammar. If, then. The Lord says, if. He says, if you, my people, you're called by my name. And the New Testament application of that is those that have been saved and called with a holy calling. He says, my people, if you'll humble yourselves, that means bow down and pray. Seek me, turn from your wicked way, then... I will hear from heaven. You know, one time the prophet cried out, it's like the heavens are brass. My prayers aren't going anywhere. They're, they go to the sky and that's as far as they go. The heavens are brass. But the Lord says as a result of these conditions, He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Now, that applied to Israel nationally. And it can apply in principle to America, but the primary application today is in the Lord's spiritual kingdom, the church, that He might hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. 
He says, hold fast and repent. And then, if therefore thou shalt not watch, if you don't wake up, if you just continue down this path where eventually people in the community might say, well, you know, those folks at Zion Church, they're no different than anybody else in the world. Ooh, that's bad, isn't it? I think I may have shared it with you here. I actually had a young man tell me that one time who was new to the old Baptist. He visited another church among us went with the young people after church to, out to eat or something, and when I asked him how it went, he said, they're no different than anybody else. I don't want that to be said of us, do you? And however people view you, unless they know some other members of Zion Church, that's going to be their opinion of Zion Church. The buck stops with you. So he says, if therefore thou shalt not watch, he says, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now you know, this same uh, analogy to a thief is used with regard to the Lord's second coming. In other words, it's going to be like a for some folks, it's going to be an, an unpleasant intrusion. To others, it's going to be a, a, great, uh, a great reality coming to pass. But here, it's not used in a positive sense. Now, here's what can happen. Notice he says, I will come on thee as a thief, and you won't know what hour I will come. You can be dead and not know it. You know, in Hebrews chapter 2, I believe it is, we're told to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have learned, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, the word slip there is not the idea of someone slipping down on ice. The word slip there means to slowly drift. That's so easy to do, isn't it? Things that once shocked you don't shock you anymore. And today, the hard thing is to come up with something that will shock you, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what else they can come up with as far as lifestyles and, and all of that, that that would be a bigger shocker than what we've already seen. But now, we won't get into this, but there's one step lower in the Bible that always happens before the... Or I won't say always, but there's one step lower in the Bible before the Lord pours out His wrath... And I know this may not be a pleasant subject, but it's the Word of God, and it's bestiality. That's after fornication, that's after adultery, that's after homosexuality. It's bestiality, and that's the bottom of the barrel. And that's when the Lord doesn't tolerate much more. And that will come. It's already put out there, 
You know, Satan's already put it out there. And so that's what's on the way if things don't change. The Lord says you're not going to know what hour I come. What's going to be the implications of that? Well, you remember when that happened to Samson, don't you? Judges chapter 16. You know, Samson was a big, tough man. He could beat up anybody. He had plenty of self-confidence. But oftentimes, a woman's the ruin of a man. It says in Judges 16, 19, and speaking of Delilah, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee. The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times. Philistines, big deal. I got this. But notice what it says. I will go out as at other times before and shake myself And he wist not, that means he didn't realize that the Lord was departed from him. I think that happens to churches sometimes. They're still meeting. They're still singing hymns. They still have a preacher. But the Lord's departed. One of the ways to hasten that, not that we want to, but we need to know this to avoid it, is to offend one of these little ones. What that means is, if the church ever gets to the point that they say, well, you know, they're just not fit to be a member of the church. If someone ever comes forward, they're repentant, and we say, well, now we don't know about this. We're going to have to have a special meeting. We've never had anybody join with your background, and we just don't know if you really can fit in here, Jesus said it's better for a millstone to be wrapped around your neck and you to be cast into the depths of the sea than that you should offend one of these little ones. I know churches where that has happened, and as a result, they begin to die, but they wist not that the Lord departed until the church was gone. I can show you, tell you places where that has happened. And notice how that's described in Revelation. You know, the experience of Samson there is a good comparison, but notice in Revelation chapter 2 how it's the analogy he used here in Revelation chapter 2, he showed the church at Sardis to wake up, remember, and receive, remember and repent, or else I'll come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. A thief comes to take something away. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, when he's writing to the very first of these seven churches. He says, uh, Remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Same message, repent and do the first works, or else I will 
will come unto thee quickly. The same idea as the thief. I will come upon thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. Now, the candlestick is the church. That's not a guess. That's what it says in the last verse of chapter 1. And the candlestick with a candle is useless unless it's lit. If the candlestick is not lit, you're no better off than if you don't even have the candlestick. And fire is often typical of the Holy Spirit. And if the candlestick has been removed and the church doesn't know it, they're going to walk around in the dark in the decisions they make. Do you hear me? They're not going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. They're going, to, they're going to have someone, you say, I don't see how they could do that to someone. Well, they're in the dark. They're wandering around. They don't know the way to do things. And death is imminent. I think the Lord has blessed us with a life here. He's blessed Bethlehem Church with life. But you know, it doesn't take but just a little while to begin losing it. It may take a while to, for the church to be gone. I know of churches in Virginia that I visited probably 30, 35 years ago a group of four churches, and their buildings were so impressive. And there was an elderly couple in the area that was very interested in and supportive of these churches, and they used their funds to restore those buildings to their former glory. I think I mentioned to you, either someone in private or publicly, uh, a church in Virginia that I went to one time, that when you stand in the pulpit and there's a balcony on every wall, you're preaching to people all around you and all in front of you. You know, they, they didn't just build little simple buildings like a lot of us did in the South. They built some fine buildings. And I remember preaching at some of those churches in these, these fine buildings and Yet, it was mostly empty pews. You know, you can keep meeting, but if the candlestick's gone, if the vitality's gone, it will be the slow death of the church. Aren't you glad for God's mercy here? I think it was like he described here. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I think Brother Chris and Brother Tim were already planning the funeral for the church and some decisions they were making. It was ready to die. I know they had already made the cemetery as a corporation. You know, and I'm not being critical of them. That was from all evidence, that was what was going to happen. I can remember as a young person going to Bethlehem and there would be about 12 people there. That's about how it was when Brother Tim started. Aren't you glad that we're in a situation we can say, here's two churches that were ready to die. 
but someone strengthened the things that remain. And we don't credit the two men that are the pastor of the churches, but we credit that the Lord raised up men with a burden about the situation to preach the gospel clearly in a way that the people were edified and those that were not being fed the meat of the word out here in the community, they were only hearing little shallow stories and they weren't hearing the whole counsel of God. They responded to that. So let's just make sure we don't start coasting. Let's make sure that we keep on being very conscientious about are we faithful members? Am I living the way I should as a member? Are people that I work with and people that I'm around, will they have a favorable view of my church? based on the time they spend with me. And if we can remember that and repent as we need to, the Lord will continue to bless us to be a lively church. And you'll have, there will be a place for your children and your grandchildren to enjoy the Lord's blessings. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.